This is a Heel Turn Collective production. Welcome to the Heel Turn Collective Podcast. Welcome on into another edition of the Heel Turn Collective Podcast where we just talk about all kinds of random shit underneath the sun. And it's once again this week, me and my partner Shane. What's going on, Shane? Um, absolutely nothing. Um, just had some hysterical technical difficulties. You'd think I had a computer made out of cardboard, but uh, we worked through it. Perseverance. Yeah. I mean, that's what we do here at the Heel Turn Collective. Yep. We persevere through everything. Um, yep. Through all opposition. Absolutely. So, uh, well, I'll have you know that I was watching a YouTube video of somebody play Marble Madness on the NES. Have you ever played that game, Shane? No, there's no football. Yeah, okay. Well, Marble Madness was a great game back in the 80s, and I've been watching YouTube videos of it all day mm. of just people running through it, and it's been quite exciting. Oh, like doing like speed run videos? Of course. Some guy beat it in like three minutes. I was like, this is unbelievable. And then I realized it was in the NES, so. <laughs> I mean, come on now. Shane had an NES when everybody else had a PS4, so. You're not wrong, actually. Actually, I don't know if I ever had an NES. Was that the, that was the gray, tan, like, the gray box one, right? Yeah, where you lifted up the little lid and there was, like, a little game that slipped in there. And Oh, no, no, I just had Super Nintendo. I didn't have NES. Yeah, well, you know, us rich folk. <laughs> we had both, so. <laughs> but this is the Heel Turn Collective Podcast, episode number five, Shane. Can you believe it? We made it five episodes now. Yeah, we're five episodes old. You gotta be kidding me. That's what I'm saying. It's just like we're blooming into a, a grown man at this yep. point. But yep. uh, we do have an exciting show today. We're going to be talking to Joey Lanzalotto. Mm. He is a dynamic talent agent uh, for dynamic talent, I guess, and also does some graphic design work. He's worked with, um, you know, Barstool and, and a couple other things and just does some freelance stuff. So it should be a pretty interesting conversation. What do you think, Riley? Yeah, I think it's going to be a good one. It's going to be yeah, on, mean, on the, edge of the edge of the seat, nail biter, you know, barn burner. It's going to be sick. Let's hope so. He's also a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan, which uh, should lead to some great back and forth between me and him, me being the resident uh, asshole. <laughs> I mean, Falcon <laughs> fan. And uh, yeah, so a show. But uh, you want to get this thing rocking and rolling, Shano? Yeah, let's popping. Let's do it. Let's talk some shit and get our asses whipped. Let's roll. Uh, I'm going to start the show today how everybody should start the show today. Uh, last night on the WWE Network, anyone that knows here or listens knows that we're wrestling fans. And last mm. night on the network, The Undertaker finally announced that he no longer has any passion for the ring anymore. Shane, hearing that as kind of a moderate wrestling fan, how do you mm. feel about well, that? Well, his, that like, that early attitude era, that was my era. Um, and I know, like, you and I have talked about this, like, way before we did the podcast, like, doing this mm-hmm. whole show. Um, I'm a firm believer that I think that the American badass, like, Dead Man Inc., uh, Undertaker, was just as polarizing as, as Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, You're right. You're right. And I mean, so it, it feels weird. I mean, I, I don't know if I'd go as far as to say that, I mean, in all reality, his career wasn't the same like probably hasn't been that era for what like five or ten years probably yeah i i got you um Um, you know but it is kind of it will be kind of weird not seeing him uh you know doing the thing 
Yeah, exactly. Like, look, I'm a lifelong wrestling fan. Um, anyone who knows me, you know, uh, specifically from any region that they come from, uh, knows that re- wrestling has been in my DNA since I was a little kid. I remember seeing The Undertaker for the first time and just being blown away because that was the first time, uh, for me anyway, that a character was larger than life. I just yes. I felt like, wow, I'm legitimately into what he is doing here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, I mean, it's a sad day. I mean, honestly, because not only is The Undertaker retiring, which I think is kind of weird, uh, it also makes me feel old as fuck, Shane. <laughs> because I, for one, man, yep. I'll tell you, Okay, come on. I remember watching this guy every single week on Raw and just being like, wow, man, what's he going to do next? Him and Kane, you know, tagging up and, and Austin. Yeah. And, you know, so it was, he, he was in a fantastic era of wrestling. Mm-hmm. You brought it up, uh, the Attitude Era and things like that. And it was just uh, unbelievable stuff all around. And it's just weird to see people that you kind of grew up idolizing kind of getting old yeah. and becoming those kind well, of shell of themselves you know i think i think well the interesting thing about taker in this one for me is i don't necessarily think he's going to become a shell of himself because we've only ever seen undertaker yeah hey like, but shane someone that i gotta tell you the last couple of matches he had have been a little lackluster oh really uh, like I mean, look, he had a he had a match with Goldberg where I was convinced was Goldberg big... had killed him in the middle of the ring. <laughs> had, had killed him. He's dead. Like also, they're gonna have to scrape him I, up off the mat. When? How long ago was that match? I don't know. Like maybe a, not even a year ago. The combined maybe. age of that match, like a hundred and twenty some years I mean, old. They had to let they had to let the old folks out and come out and play with everybody. Correct. Uh, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. But uh, what a better segue to bring in our guest. Yep. It is Joey Lanzalato. And he, mm. we were talking a little off air. And uh, Joey, thanks for joining the show. Uh, we were talking a little off air. And, and, and you seem to be kind of uh, an old school wrestling fan yourself a little bit. Oh, yeah. Big time. Thanks for having me on, guys. Excited, yeah. to, uh, excited to get this go here. But yeah, I mean, I grew up in the Attitude Era. I mean, I'm 28 now. So, you know, those the Attitude Era is, you know, my childhood. I said, you know, beg my dad to stay up past, you know, 930 for Monday Night Raw. And, you know, I, I, the Undertaker Kane, you know, that, that storyline is arguably the best of all time. I remember when he first came out and I mean, I was terrified of him. I was like eight years old. I'm like, this guy's going to kill me in my sleep. Like he's terrifying. So he's going to send demons literally through my television. Yeah. (laughs) And then, you know, then shortly after Undertaker became American badass and that's how I first heard of Limp Bizkit. And, you know, Mm -hmm. the rest is history for my music taste. (laughs) Honestly. Don't be don't be talking bad about the biscuit. We're gonna talk. I, about I would it. never talk bad about the biscuit. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> um, I, I the Undertaker for me has always been kind of uh, even even shooting a lightning bolt from the top of the arena. You were always like Jesus Christ, what's <laughs> yeah. going on here? Bolts everywhere. Are every is everybody safe? Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm watching Stone Cold smash beers, and that's like something I can relate to and everything. And then as yeah, the Undertaker like shooting lightning up to the ceiling, I'm like, this guy is another world, man. Yeah, he's Absolutely. literally not a real person. Like, yeah, <laughs> lightning bolts out of the stands. How did they fucking get that there? You know, I yeah, I, uh, yeah, I remember being so distraught when my dad unloaded on me that wrestling isn't real and that uh, <laughs> things like that was aren't actually happening and yeah. i just remember being so distraught so. yeah 
Yeah, it was crazy. I was like, God, these guys are these guys are crazy. They never get hurt. And then I don't even know how I actually discovered it. Like, I remember seeing some like TV special how they broke down how like they break tables and everything, and how they mm-hmm. like how they bleed themselves and everything. I was like, man, I could have gone the rest of my life without seeing that. Yeah, <laughs> ruined it for me. Why don't you just have a magic dude on there just showing you how to do all the fucking yeah. tricks? Yep. I'm just like, now I'm not gonna pay for that. Yeah. You know? Because yeah. we're on the same time I figured out like Santa Claus and the, and the Tooth Fairy and everything, and my whole life just fell apart. I was gonna say bad couple of years there, <laughs> yeah. real bad. It was a r- rough years. stretch of my life. I'm, I'm still working on bouncing back. I think. <laughs> a, little, a little rough stretch there for Mister Lanthano, but uh, yeah, I mean, just to kind of, I just wanted to kind of kick fire the uh, discussion with that a little wrestling talk. But we're not here to talk about wrestling. We're here mm. to talk about everything that you have your hand in, Joey. And and I know that. Uh, like I said at the top of the show, you work for the uh, Dynamic Talent Agency, and and you, you're a show or you're a band booker, correct? Yeah, yeah, I book tours for 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 bands and book their festivals and stuff. Good deal. I mean, that that's exciting stuff. I mean, me and Shane both have a music background, um, so it's really exciting to kind of uh, be in that world, kind of see how people's different views of things uh, kind of twist and turn. So, but yeah, I mean, jumping right into it, I mean, Joey, like honestly. How, how, like, when did, was the first time do you think that, that music was kind of uh, something you were interested in? Um, what sparked that interest? And what were some early bands that kind of got you, you know, rolling in, in that direction? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, as long as I can remember, I've been like listening to records with my dad and stuff like that. He has, he has just dozens of books worth of tickets he went to of shows in the 80s before I was born. And, you know, apparently I ruined his life or something, but I <laughs> couldn't go to so many shows. But I mean, we, I, I would just drive around and, you know, my dad's truck and we'd listen to music and my mom, you know, is, is big into music too. So there was just always music around me growing up. And, um, you know, then, you know, we were in, in elementary school, we got to pick an instrument and, you know, I picked, I picked violin at first, which I was not very good at. But uh, mm-hmm. even at, at the same time, my grandma used to listen to opera, which got me into a bunch of music too. Like I had a wide range of, you know, music to listen to when I was a kid. Um, and it just got me into everything. And then, you know, my dad showed me Metallica and I was like, oh, this is cool. You know, this is like heavier than most stuff. Cause my dad's like a, you know, he's a diehard Kiss fan. He loves like Poison and like ACDC. But, mm-hmm. you know, I first heard Metallica and I was like, oh, this is sick. Like this, you know, gets me pumped up. I'm ready to go. And then, you know, alluding back to Undertaker, you know, the first time I heard like when this kid, like first time I heard Roland, I was like, this is fucking awesome. I was like, this is like, this gets me going. So I, uh, that like when I first heard that, you know, that, that got me into it. And then, you know, I had a, I had a drum set, you know, when I was like nine, I just would fool around on it. Uh, but I didn't actually start taking it seriously until I was about 16. Um, but, uh, I mean, that's, that's just how I got my start. And I just, you know, ballooned into some, some crappy local bands and, you know, playing some shows and, here I am, you know, 12 years later now. Yeah, 12 years later now. <laughs> Man. I, I, I like it. That's um, so sick. Yeah. Um, so, like, something that, uh, how much did you, how much did you infuriate your parents, like, having a drum set and trying to learn? Because I, I, I just know, like, I'm, I'm a parent also, and I just know if my daughter was, like, trying to learn an instrument like the drums and was just, like, fucking just terrible at it. Like, <laughs> This is the worst thing I've ever heard. How much are you going to put up with that before you're just like, fuck you, this thing's going Dude. in the dumpster? <laughs> I mean, I've, I've been really lucky, honestly. Like, my, my parents were always super supportive of it, even though, like, I, I really wasn't good at it at all. Like, I, I played on that kit for seven years not knowing how to play anything, really. You know, I could, I could play, like, the most simple song, but it wasn't very good. But, you know, they were always just, you know, very supportive of what I wanted to do, even though, like, we didn't, you know, have much at all. They were just cool with letting me follow what I wanted to do. Mm. Um, which is, which is translated great into my later life as well. They've, yeah. they've been great, but it was, 
it was my grandparents actually bought me my drum kit and uh my my grandpa was like an engineer and everything so he wanted me to like do that and i just showed just interest in music and art and had no interest in you know being an engineer doing any of that sort of stuff so it was it was a tough pill for him to swallow because i was his first grandson but um you know it was it was it was it was interesting as a start and i mean they were they were always just all about it like i would you know show my dad a drum part i learned from the kiss song and he would think it was the coolest thing in the world <laughs> so, that's true yeah. so yeah I guess two two quick two, like two quick questions with that one, Joey. Uh, one, uh, I don't know what your setup was like with having your like drums in your house or like you know with your parents there and everything. Um, I think that like because also like obviously like I'm also a drummer. Um, how many times did you get done playing and then you go and your parents just have like the television like maxed out to try I mean, and ground you out? It definitely happened a lot. Like my uh, my <laughs> drums are in the basement of my house. Yep. Um, so I had a basement that like my dad had a bunch of sports memorabilia and everything. And it was like carpeted and like part of the wall was carpeted too. So like mm. it's somewhat like dampened the sound. Um, but I mean, it was it was loud all the time. And my, my dad always like played it loud because like I said, he used to go to a bunch of concerts in the 80s and mm-hmm. he had bad hearing and everything. So the TV was always loud in my house no matter what. So it kind of worked out. Oh, so, yeah. When I was playing the drum, I don't even think my drums really bothered him that much. Um, you know, there'd be times when uh, when he would work like night shift or something like that. And I'd, I'd get up at like, you know, nine in the morning. He'd get home at seven, go to sleep. And I'd get up at nine to start playing my drums. And that was really the only time I got yelled at. I, he'd open up the basement door and just yell down there a bunch of bunch of bunch of not so great things and i'm like all right i will uh play in the afternoon i'll put my sticks down for now as soon as i stopped playing kiss songs whenever i'd switch to something else that's when he came down and opened the fucking door <laughs> i guess and then the other question what was uh what was your first drum set my first drum set was a uh pacific set Ooh. it was just a, a typical like it was i know it was a black set which is cool and it was a five piece uh just black with silver hardware um and it was a specific set, and I had a pair of hi hats. I didn't even know how to, you know, use the clutch, so my hi hats were just always closed. And then I had uh, just one questionable that just sounded like just the worst thing ever. I don't even know how, like, how they sold that. And they were like, "Yeah, this would be good to give a kid who wants to play songs to sound like someone else." Like, I kept that symbol forever. And then I, I like when I would be practicing, I wouldn't use like my nice symbols, you know. So I throw yeah, on, yep. I found that one day and put it on my kit. I'm like, this thing sounds worse than a fucking trash can. <laughs> Like it wasn't even like good for like a China or anything. It was just awful. <laughs> oh my gosh, dude! Yeah, that's that's hilarious. Like like so, I know what a clutch is. But why don't you explain it to Shane and everyone else listening? <laughs> well, Shane, Shane knows too. But just just you know what what makes your hi hat go up and down? You connect it to the pedal and everything. So you know you can close your hi hat, you can open it, you know you can sizzle them, whatever you want to do. But I just like put the clutch like on top of the top hat, and the top hat just sat on the bottom one. And I was like, this must be it. Like, I, had, I had no one else would show me. Like my, like, my dad loved music, but he has, like, no musical talent. Like, he can jam mm. on the steering wheel or something like that, but he's, like, slightly offbeat. So, you know, he was the last one to show me how to, how to work my drums. Jesus Christ. If, if like, look, you might as well consider me the Neil Peart of, of, of steering wheel drumming, bro. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm all over that shit. Like, yeah, I wish that everyone tried the steering wheel, man. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. But, uh you know, Joey, kind of bridging onto that, man, as, mm-hmm. as you kind of got older um, and, and you started to see how the industry sort of changed, you know, uh, you know, you were talking about when you were younger, you know, Kiss was kind of the big thing. Um, but but as you get older, you know, you get into bands in the early 90s, you know, the grunge era came and then there was like new metal, you know, and, and everything. And the, the industry just changed a whole bunch um, from your perspective, like being kind of like that cla- rooted in classic rock, you know, when you first started and in, in getting into heavier stuff as you got older, 
do you think the industry changes are, are maybe um, good or bad? And what are some of the pros and cons since you're kind of in the belly of the beast right now? Um, what do you think are kind of some of the pros and cons of the way the industry has changed uh, over the years? It's it's very weird, you know, to see, especially even just since the time I was more like, you know, just aware of how the industry worked, even like seeing like, you know, Bamboozle, Bamboozle Fest in like 2007, 2008, you know, even 2006 in like New Jersey, because I wasn't too far from where I'm from, you know, just seeing the, some of those lineups on those festivals and then seeing everything that happened on Warp Tour and then, you know, seeing the big bands that just don't, you know, they don't last as long. You know, and then you mm-hmm. see some of these overnight successes like like 21 Pilots and, you know, and then like the infusion of K-pop, you know, and all, all that sort of stuff. It's just it's crazy what uh, what more so the Internet, I guess, has done to the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely a good and a bad thing. You know, I mean, without the Internet, I would be working some blue collar job. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to yeah, I wouldn't be able to you know, do this with you guys or, you know, talk to talk to promoters all over the world or, you know, send out designs to everyone. But, you know, it's it's the Internet is definitely like the best and worst thing to happen in the music industry. Um, but I think, you know, without it, there wouldn't be this growth, you know, we'd still see a lot of the same, you know, like major label bands get pushed and you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't see these, like, just these like internet bands, I guess, which isn't like necessarily a bad thing, but it's, it's a whole nother, uh, and a whole nother way to, you know, listen to bands and uh, relate with them and just check out their content that you didn't have before, even, you know, as a teenager, like I had dial up in until I was like 17. So yeah. <laughs> like there was, you know, even, weird. even run, like I couldn't even listen to MySpace bands until I went to my friend's house that had like better internet. <laughs> you know? So it was, yeah. it was, MySpace, yeah. MySpace is definitely um, the biggest culprit, I guess you would say uh, that really spawned a lot of music. That was, that was kind of good, but at the same time it was, you know, a little is a little cookie cutter, but MySpace is definitely a uh, a big culprit of that. Uh, Shane was a big MySpace guy. I remember um, he was all about the MySpace bands, the oh, Attack yeah. Attacks, the uh, IC Stars, and such. Right, Shane? I wasn't IC Stars guy, but I wasn't an Attack Attack guy. I think um, everyone was an Attack Attack guy, and if you yeah, were, yeah. Come on, man, you're, you're lying if you, if you say you aren't. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It's kind of like whenever people talk about things like uh, whenever people talk about things like metalcore and, and they shy away from bands like Azalea Dying. Come on, man. We were all Azalea Dying fans at one point. Like, yeah. regardless of how you feel about this asshole now, regardless. Well, see, I actually wasn't. Yeah. I wasn't a big Azalea Dying fan. I never really got into to the, in, into them. Um, so like when, when all that went on, I was like, I don't care. And then when he came back, I was like, all right, fuck this guy. Like, <laughs> I like, I'm, I'm totally on Azalea dying. Hold on. <laughs> I am going to die on this hill. Shadows are security is one of the greatest metalcore records ever written. And I will say that till I'm dead, man. Dude, because yeah. that, I mean, the rips are just unfucking real. They got the in flames influence going on with the with the dual guitar work. And and to me, that is probably one of my favorite records of all time. And I'm going on record right now and saying that. <laughs> I mean, opinions are opinions. Everyone's got them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. To that, to that, I will say though, Lance, uh, no drums were harmed in the making of that record. Um, those are some of the most programmed things I've ever heard in my entire oh, please. life. Please, you know, but, uh, um, yeah, but I, I mean, look, they, they get a lot, they get a lot of, they get a lot of guff, but, uh, I mean, we all have our favorite and least favorite bands, you know, that we listen to or, or work with. And, um, what do you think are some, just your kind of 
in the industry right now. You work with a lot of bands. Who are some of your favorite bands that you've kind of worked with through the years, uh, either as a promoter or as a booker and, and things like that? Who are some of your favorites? And, I mean, we got to say it because this is the heel turn collective, <laughs> goddamn. Oh, yeah. Who are some of your least favorite bands to work with, you know, ever? So, I mean, we'll start with the favorite, but but also some of the least favorite bands you've ever worked with. Yeah, I mean, so I, I book shows in my area and I work with iMatter Festival. So I've had some, you know, some some larger bands come through that, you know, I would I would expect to be assholes, but they weren't. I think the two nicest bands, I guess, I, I booked that I expected to be assholes were uh, Miss May I and then We Came as Romans. Hmm. Uh, okay. Both bands, because I, I, like in my area, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of not as up to date with everything. Like we don't, the, our, the closest major market's like two hours away. So, you yeah. know, until I started booking around here, we really didn't get a lot of like current touring bands. So, you know, we kind of, we had both of those bands within the past uh, three years to where, you know, it wasn't necessarily their peak. Um, so they came here and I expected some sort of like, I wouldn't say diva mentality, but just, you know, like typical, you know, yeah. like Warped Tour band guy stuff. Um, yeah. But I mean, Miss May I showed up. They were one of the first big bands I booked at a venue around here. And they were just the nicest guys. I mean, they they all came up and they introduced themselves to our crew and everything, and were like asking, you know, what what we needed from them and everything. And they were like helping my helping my sound assistant like run wires and shit. Like it was it run cables. Like it was very unexpected. Man. And they were super nice guys. Yeah, um, that's so cool. Dang. <laughs> yeah, it was really unexpected. I was I was I was very surprised. And then we had we came as Robins. Um, actually, two months before uh, Kyle Pavone passed away. Um, mm. I think it was one mm. one of their last shows that they ever played and they were here and I mean, they were, they were the nicest guys. It was another band where like, I mean, I used to be, you know, a diehard we game as Romans fan, like the early 2010s. Mm-hmm. Like, like I had the eye that we are nothing about brotherhood sweatshirt. You know, I was, I was a huge fan of them. So, <laughs> you know, to get to book them was pretty cool. It was like a bucket yeah. list thing. And they were the nicest guys that put on a crazy show. And, you know, it was, it was really cool to have them, you know, obviously with everything happened with Kyle, like it was, it was cool to have them before everything happened. Yeah. yeah before you had to see kind of the, yeah. Uh, the light version of the band, you know, without yeah, Kyle and you never, I never even knew. I mean, Kyle was like hanging out with, you know, our, our staff and everything. And we were up in the green room with him and like bullshit and everything. And, you know, yeah. you couldn't even tell that he had any sort of problem, which was, it was very, he actually, he passed away on my wedding day. Um, oh, which wow. was, yeah, it was, it's very upsetting. I was in, I was in, uh, I was in a room, with my best man and I are like, you know, we're diehard, you know, music fans and we have share an appreciation where we came as Romans and he was, uh, he was in the kitchen and I was like, Jesse, Jesse, it's like Kyle Pavone died. And he's like, what? And then I had to, yeah. I texted my wife who was on the way up to our wedding. You know, we were getting married that day. And that, like, she also was a huge fan. And I was like, Kyle Pavone died. She pulled over and cried. Like she was so upset. Uh-huh. It, was, it was, it was very upsetting. You know, we, we are, it was a, it was a musician. Like it was, it was one of the first bands, like her and I both saw a warp tour together too. Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, a band that always had like, I had a soft spot for. Yeah. So that was a huge bummer. Um, yeah. But then yeah, I, that's uh, kind of, yeah. that's kind of weird how like, um, uh, see, I always thought that like, like, dudes that kind of die like while they're still currently in a band i always thought it was kind of weird how people um kind of be like well man i'm so affected by this even though you know and i understand like like when chester bennington passed away for lincoln park like lincoln park is one of my favorite bands of all time right. and i think that he's probably top three best vocalist ever yeah. like as far as like vocals and, and things like that and i don't i wasn't even really that affected by that and they're one of my favorite bands ever but i can understand the kyle thing because you had actually met them and actually conversed with them a little bit and you could see like if they were good dudes or not you can and nobody like i don't want it to sound like that uh i think that just because you're a bad guy you deserve to die i'm, I'm right, not right. saying that. What yeah. i'm saying is like because you saw they were good dudes it might hit you a little bit harder plus you have that connection with your wife um where 
you know, you guys did Warp Tour together and things like that. So yeah. that's, a, that's a really uh, that's a really cool story. I'm glad you shared that with us. Yeah. Now, um, we're gonna get into kind of some of their least favorite bands. You oh know, yeah. That's that's. I mean, we got we got to talk a little bit about that because. <laughs> Just a bunch of wrestling heels on here, so yeah. fire away, Joey. I can't I, uh, I hope this. that I hope none of my favorite bands pop up on on this I know, list. I'm be no, I've them. I've had a I've had pretty good uh, a pretty good run with you know bands being here. I had too many issues, um, but the the glaring one uh, was I had Crazy Town here in uh, <laughs> in 2000. It was actually the week before the Miss May I show. I had them here in 2017. Jesus and Christ. did that show draw zero people dude it actually drew like 110 people but it was like mostly the locals on the show like <laughs> it, there was there was a pretty big walkout but like so i mean we, dude it was it was crazy because it was one of the first like bigger shows i was building a stage extension on the, mm-hmm. on the stage of that venue like the next week and it was like the first co-pro i did with this eight with this uh other promotion company from upstate new york and you know, I was like, all right, it's going to be cool. You know, I'm going to bring in this new room I have. It's, you know, it was like a 450 cap room, great sound and everything. It was cool. I just needed someone to bring me some bigger bands. And this was like the first like notable act, I guess we pulled there. And it was, I mean, I will never forget it. Like the, the owner of the venue is this old Italian guy who he used to play in the Oakland A's farm system. Like he oh, was, geez. he was the coolest dude. Like him and I got along great, both being baseball fans and Italians and everything. And, um, this the just the singer crazy town was just like so like weird to him he wasn't like mean he was just like off-putting and like they there i was communicating with their tm the whole day i was like yeah loading's five they're like yeah we're gonna be like a half hour late like totally fine they end up showing up at like nine o'clock so they show up they show up right like right as the direct support band was done so it was just them on the tour there's no other bands on the tour um so they show up and they just roll in like they weren't four hours late and i was like what are you guys doing like i was like can we get into the green room i was like you can like get on the stage like we need you to do that and their their tm comes up to me like yeah dude so sorry we're late and it's like blue by i'm like you just ignore me for the last three hours like what do you mean he uh he he comes up to me he's like so we got this we got this situation like we have two drummers right now. He's like, we brought our drummer that did our European tour because our one drummer is like a felon and he might not be allowed to some states. So we have two drummers. And I was like, all right, cool. He's like, but he didn't bring any hardware. Uh, he just brought his shells. He's like, so do you think we could like borrow them from like a local? And I was like, uh, I guess. So I'd go, ask, that one out, though. Yeah, well, I'd go and ask a local band. And I asked, I like in the, the one band that played was like my sound assistance band. And he's like my right hand man and everything. So I was like, dude, you're not gonna fucking believe that. <laughs> so I told him and he's like, sure. So we go up there to set up and you know, he he goes out and gets his hardware. So there's two drum sets on this this pretty small stage. Um and the stage was kind of weird before we had the extension to it. It had like a railing in front of it, so like you couldn't fall off of it, but it was like probably like five feet high. So like it was it was sort of an awkward, awkward situation. And it was very it was a very like thin stage. So there's two kits and they had their full band. And then the other drummer comes down to me, the guy that went to Europe, and he's like, "Hey, do you have like a, a mixer I could use for my for my in ears?" And I was like, "No, <laughs> like, what do you mean? It was none of, none of the in the rider." He's like, "Yeah, he's like, he's like, yeah, man, it apparently only works in European outlets." I was like, "So you didn't like bring an outlet for like or a plug for a US tour? <laughs> like they were on like a three and a half week tour." I'm like, "Are you gonna do this every night?" And they they took, I mean, they they took like an hour and a half to set up, so they didn't even play until like ten thirty. Oh so like, th- I had the show being done at ten thirty. They didn't even start playing till ten thirty. They played for well over an hour, and they played Butterfly in the middle of their set. So like, 
after that, like, what? I didn't even know they had more songs, to be honest. I thought they were going to play for, like, 40 minutes. They're going to play <laughs> Butterfly. Maybe do, like, yeah, like, open Butterfly, maybe do an encore of Butterfly at the end. But, like, that was going to be, like, my whole thing. I'm like, did they blow their load early? Were they, like, were right they in the middle. The gun? <laughs> right in the middle. But, like, ever, like, this, this was, like, a club, like, in my area that was, like, going under. So, like, they had super cheap drinks. So everyone was just, like, fucking hammered. And, like, I had a bunch of my friends come out who don't usually go to the shows I book. Like, they're not as, as into the, like, the music scene as I am. And like that was some of the first ones they came out to, and I was like, "This is not like, usually what I do." Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is, like, what is I was going like, on here?" <laughs> yeah. And then they, I, so in the the venue had a hotel upstairs, so like whatever the touring bands came through, you know, they it was like oh, a no. you know one and a half star hotel, but they would stay there. And it was the first time that the venue owner allowed me to you know have bands stay there, and I was like, "I I like I don't even know if I didn't even put two and two together. Or I just had faith in faith in them." But he calls me the next day. He's like, hey, man, he's like, those guys trash these rooms. And he actually gave him an extra room for free because he was, you know, just a nice old man. So the next week I had that Miss May I show. And he's like, he's like, well, you can leave it dirty for now. He's like, just come clean it out before uh, before the Miss May I show. And I go in there and I start cleaning it out. And it's just like, you know, sheets are everywhere. You know, the, the towels aren't folded, whatever like that. I'm putting it all in the bag to wash. And then there's just like four used Band-Aids on the ground. And I just, I couldn't think of anything more gross to clean up than four used Band-Aids from Crazy Town. I was just like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen in my entire life. (laughs) (laughs) And that was, that was, that was just, it was ridiculous. I just came downstairs and I was like, I can't, I can't believe this was real. So I've never seen it at a, at a show of that scale. What do you do with a one and a half hour long delay? I dude, I was just sitting there. I was like, what? And like, I don't like, I don't like drink at my shows or anything. So I want to stay yeah. like coherent and everything. Like, I don't want to like, I don't want to, you know, have something go wrong. So I was just standing there. I'm like, what the fuck do I do? And like, this was at the time, like we were just new with this venue. So it was even the time where we didn't leave our sound system in there overnight. So yeah. we still have a two hour teardown after that. And I'm like, this is just fucking ridiculous. I'm like, this isn't even worth making 200 bucks off this show. <laughs> By the time I get done with this, I'm like, it was, it was just crazy. And like, my wife was there, and I was like, you can just like go home. I'll be home at like three in the morning, I guess. <laughs> like, and my my sound guy was like, what the fuck is going on? He was just an old head, like old metal head. Like he knew of Crazy Town from like when they were, you know, in their prime. And yeah. he was like, what the fuck is this? I'm like, I don't know, man. <laughs> like, this is just, right. it was the actual crazy town or is this? Oh, it was crazy. I was like, it's, it literally, it was, I, I didn't even know what to do. I was like, it was just watching the set happen. It was just, a, it was just a very, very long car crash. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then I got done. And, oh. Yeah. It's actually kind of sad to think about like bands like crazy town. That dude, that band was big and like. Two yeah. thousand. Yeah. Well, the thing is, like, I, I I had seen them uh like three or four years before. We have like a big outdoor uh, venue here that does like they do like country and like like uh like rock shows. And they had this in 2016. I remember they had the Make America Rock Again tour. Maybe it was 2015, but it was like Trapped and Crazy Town and Alien Ant Farm and like Twelve Stones. I think Tantric. Was so there like, like a mass suicide for that, dude. Dude, it like it did like six thousand tickets. I was like, this is fucking nuts. And like Crazy Town played, and I was like, like they had a great set. I thought it was fucking awesome. I was like, cool. I'm like, I'll definitely book them at my club. This will be awesome. And they showed up. I was like, Jesus Christ, I was wrong. <laughs> like I could not have been more wrong about anything ever again in my life. It's like I just think about like it. Like if I was in your shoes on like their their TM walking in saying like the whole like hey like sorry really I'm just like. This this is not late. Four hours is not late. Yeah. Four hours late is a problem. Like this yeah, is like they just showed up like not ready for anything, and I'm like, I just I don't get it. Like they were they were they were nice. Like it was almost they were so like 
ignorant to the fact that they were just like the oh. worst band to work with. And I, I wasn't even like mad because they weren't mean to me. They were just like, yeah, cool, we'll get up there. And I'm like, like what they, dimension like, are we in right now? Yeah, <laughs> they weren't even like pissy or anything. So like they like there wasn't necessarily a, like there was a need to apologize. But like by the time I got done, I was like, I think these guys are just so fucking stupid that they don't <laughs> understand what's happening. <laughs> and like my whole team was just in awe. Yeah, that's I mean, unbelievable. Imagine your self-awareness being so fucking low. Like, dude, we had this one hit fucking 20 years ago, dude. What's the thing? I was like, I can't believe so this. Fucking- yeah. Like, their self-awareness was just, just, it was just not there. It was There wasn't even a chance of that. Like, I don't think they left it in the van. They left it wherever the fuck they're from. Like, it just wasn't there. <laughs> their gigantic underwear, right? Yeah. <laughs> it was just the craziest thing. They're probably reminiscing on their old fucking, like, oh, man. When we did this fucking tour, like back in two thousand, man, it was like us. And trust us, we were playing after Slipknot, right? Well, dude, I, I mean, they, yeah. Well, this this club that I had it at was like it was like the big thing in our area in like the early two thousands. So like a lot of those people that were Crazy Town fans like came out, and like they were like they were like flocking to the singer, the bar, and everything like that. I'm like, I'm in the weirdest time machine ever. I'm, t- I'm so- telling you. I'm also I'm going to be completely transparent with the both of you right now. Um, when we first said Crazy Town, for whatever reason, my brain connected to Crazy Frog. Um, so there's about a good like 15 seconds in my head where I was like, "How do you book Crazy Frog?" And then, and then, it, then I caught up the pace. So yeah, we're okay. well, we're on the same page. Yeah, Shane. I mean, for uh, for us joining the 21st century, uh, Crazy Town actually got sued because uh, the the butterfly song uh, was reminiscent of a video game at the time. You know, whatever. Back on. I'm sorry, that was a terrible rendition. But um, if you haven't listened to Crazy Town yet, I mean, this is your 15 minutes of fame, buddy. Go listen to Butterfly (laughs) again. I, I mean, just really just kind of re, just rehashed I, the code. I, I literally just looked at their, like, Spotify numbers. It's like uh, uh, Butterfly has, like, 178 million plays. Yeah, they're so falling in, man. <laughs> and then the second, the second highest played song is, like, 2.3 million. Like, it's quite the drop-off. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like Headstrong with Trap. We're not going to oh, get started man. on them bricks. <laughs> but I got to tell you... Uh, I, uh, it's the same, it's the same thing though. I do believe, you know, where it's like, if, if trap, like you said, trap played that fucking show that you saw with crazy town, that doesn't surprise me one iota, yeah. bro. No. <laughs> thing I'm, my mind, I'm like, they're probably fucking torn with trapped. Yeah. You know, yep. Cause they're all like yep. you know, huddled up and yeah. reminiscent about the old days. Yeah. So. I mean, at, at that show that we had here, that, that, that trap played, we hung out trap for a little bit. Cause my friend that I went with, uh, toured with them and the band he was in before they bought onto a trap tour and they like became friends with like their bass player. So we were like chilling with them and their singer was just such a dick. And like, yeah, I'm like now, now that I see like him on like social media and everything, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Like their, their bass player was like a cool guy, but like, I'm, I'm really hoping they've all denounced him or just left the band since then. <laughs> all the guys that you knew him with. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hopefully they have all just been like, fuck this guy for real. Oh, and like, I mean, that, that's the way it is. But, uh, yeah, so I mean, there's a lot. I mean, we still got a lot to talk about, though, because yep. music isn't your only thing, is it, Shano? It ain't. It ain't. Nope. So, um, so it looks like here that you're also a uh, a graphic designer by trade. Yeah, yeah, that's actually how I uh, 
I, I coupled my design uh, job or design jobs with uh, playing shows. I uh, mm. I played my first like ever bar show uh, in like 2009, and uh, the promoter of that show, I was like, hey man, if you ever need like flyers, you know, let me know. And he ended up hitting me up because he fired his designer like a week later because I was a lot cheaper because I was just some like 18 year old kid, and yeah. uh, that that ended up being you know the spark of like my design work. Like I, I did some in high school like in uh it just in classes i took some classes for it i actually wanted to be a videographer at first but you yeah. know I, I cannot afford cameras and shit like that i was like it's a lot easier to, it's a lot easier to pirate photoshop and illustrator and, design <laughs> and just roll on those so I, I started doing those and um i started making flyers for him and i started making flyers for other promoters and then um you know i would i would trade flyers to promoters for my band to play those shows and mm. it, it's i just built up from there but yeah that, uh, that's awesome yeah um yeah i mean so like that kind of stuff is interesting, you know, like graphic design. It's, it's really, it's really like, it's kind of like being, um, an audio engineer. You know, we talked to Jeremy worse before, uh, he kind of went into the ins and outs of recording and graphic design is kind of the same way. It's a lot of like, just a lot of like ticky tacky little details. Yeah. Yep. That it, it's, it's kind of like, you have just, to kind of perfect. And just like nonstop grinding too. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's years and years of favors. I mean, I'm still doing favors like on, on stuff all the time. Like it's, it's, I mean, for the first probably like three or four years, I think I might've had like one paying job. And like the, the first job I ever necessarily got like paid for, for like a, like a shirt design was for the last 10 seconds of life. Yeah. And that was, they're were, they were from here. So I was like, I was pretty friendly with them and I made them a, a PA death course shirt. And then my payment was just that shirt. And I was like, this is fucking awesome. I still have the shirt. <laughs> it's like a size small. I cannot fit in my wildest dreams now, but I still have it upstairs. And uh, it's, uh, it, it was, it was one of my first things, but it's, it's definitely a thing where you do a lot of favors for people. Like I, I still do them all the time for people just trying to, you know, make that next step. Like I, I've recently worked with one of the managers for some of the bands I book um, has a deal with a, with a UFC fighter. Her name's Aspen lad. Um, and I did some graphics for her, like her social media accounts. And Man. I was like, this is cool. Like, she's like, she's like the third, third ranked in her division, I believe. And I was like, this is cool. I'll do it. Like, I, I don't care what it is. Like I did a shirt design that's currently waiting to get approved. So, you know, cross my fingers on that. And it's, it's just, it's, it's a world of favors and, you know, you, you build from the bottom up and it's, it's a lot of grinding. It's a lot of hours of work that I never got paid for, but it's totally fine. <laughs> is there an element of that where it's like, as you get, you know, obviously like, once you once you kind of start stepping out of the band world because i'm sure you've had your, your your inbox blown up with bands asking for things like is it what kind of goes through your your head whenever you see an offer get slapped on the table that's like oh like here's a thing for usc like <laughs> yeah like, no it's exciting it's exciting to yeah. do some different things like i um like i work for i, I used to work more for them but i i worked for barstool for quite a while mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. and that was, that was really fun. I, I started with them before the pizza reviews and before the Saturday for the boys stuff. So, I mean, that was just a thing I was a fan of with all like, you know, they're the dumb drunk college kids and shit like that. <laughs> but, you know, I'd make a bunch of shirts for them and that was, that was fun because it was like unique shirts and it was things that were like spur of the moment in the sports world. You know, like I, I was yeah. a freelance artist. So like they had, they had like their, um, they had their day job people that work a nine to five, but you know, most sporting events take place at night. So if something happens, you know, if J.R. Smith lays down a quote, they want it on a shirt. I'm the guy on my laptop at 1130 at night banging it out. And, you know, it's off the print and it's up on the store by 1230. You know, that was that was sort of Man. stuff I did for a long time. Um, I mean, it was fun. I mean, it was it was a cool opportunity. Actually, I 
before I took a full-time job with them two years ago, I had a, I had an offer to go work in the in their design office, which was in Cincinnati. And I was like, I don't think I want to move to Cincinnati. <laughs> like, I was talking to my oh, wife at the time. And we were like, yeah, like we were, we were, I don't think we were engaged yet, but we, I was going to propose that next January and I got offered this job over the summer. And uh, I was like, I was like, man, do I want to move to fucking Cincinnati and like uproot my life for this job? I and mean, it was like, a, it was like a, like a $30,000 a year job. And I was like, I don't know if I want to like move out there away from my family and her family, you know, just to, just to do that. But, um, it, it worked out pretty, it worked out pretty well. And, um, it, you know, coming, coming back to that, like I, when I, when I quit my actual day job, I managed a hot topic for seven and a half years. Um, I was doing, you know, booking full time and, um, I was like, right, I need to make some little extra design money. I was thinking about like doing Uber or Lyft just to make some extra money. And I randomly got a email from uh, a guy that worked at Barstool who saw my Barstool folder on my Behance, like my online, online profile. And he, he offered me a spot to work back with them, which was right when I went to, you know, just working for myself. I was like, man, this is perfect timing. You're like, yeah, clutch? Was, <laughs> was, yeah, I couldn't believe it. I saw that email and I was like, I like, I like double checked. I was like on like LinkedIn and shit. I'm like, does this guy really work for Barstool? Like he had an at BarstoolSports.com email. And I was like, I want to make sure it was right. And, you know, my, my first task was to do all the Red Sox World Series shirts for 2018. And I'm a diehard Yankees fan, so that fucking sucked bit. but it was yeah i was doing they were, they were like they were making the shirts like before the world series even started like i was like all yeah, the shirts yeah. they put out before the series and i was like making some for the dodgers but i only had like a couple shirts done for them it was like three or four and i had done like a dozen red sox shirts and i'm like i hope these guys are like pompous enough to do this and then i'm like i'm watching the series happen i'm like fuck they're gonna fucking do this <laughs> i was like i was like all my designs are going out with th- that sort of designing where it's like super super spur of the moment and last minute is that do they literally give you, um, this is exactly what, what we want in this design, boom, boom, boom. Or is it like, all right, Jody, or Joey, you know what time it is, like, hit it. I, it's, a, like, it's a mix of both. I mean, sometimes it would be like, uh, like say they made a reference to like a show or something like that. You know, I would make mm-hmm. some sort of like parody design. Um, or if it's just like a basic texture, you know, I could do whatever I wanted with that. You know, there's like, there's like that, that Barstool brand of like designing that they had um, yeah. that, you know, I just basically had to follow. Um, and it wasn't anything too crazy, but it was, a lot of it was, you know, it was a mix of my own like artistic ability and then, you know, what they wanted. Um, but a lot of the time it was like, you know, they, they knew what I, they knew what I could do and I knew what they expected from me. So a lot of the time it was sort of like unspoken as to what they wanted for the design. It's like a really, yeah. really cool, like respect where it's like, okay, like, yeah. We're, yeah, the, we're guy, the guy I worked with was great. His name was Mike Welker, and he was like, he was the coolest guy. He he gave me a cool shot. Like I I applied through like a Twitter DM. Like their old T-shirt guy put up something. He's like looking for design interns, and I I sent him my portfolio, and I did like I think I did like seven or eight designs, just like a as like a tryout for him. And you know they liked him enough, and they called me up, and they're like, hey, we're just gonna skip the intern. Do you want to do like a freelance position? And I was like, uh, yeah, like it was, it was like, I was still working on a hot topic at the time and they were paying me like two fifty per shirt design. And I was like, Man. I was like, damn. So like, if I do these simple ass shirts, like that's like almost what I was making in a, at a week in hot topic. I was like, fuck yeah, I'll do yeah. that. Which, so, like, gosh, like speaking to the, like, cause I mean, I, I work at like a, I work in retail as well. Um, not even like a, like a full time, like I'm like a lower management position on where mm-hmm. I'm at, but the level of grinding to be full-time management and doing just a butt ton of freelance work. Like you probably didn't sleep much. No, no, I didn't sleep much. I mean, I got really lucky. Like my, my wife is super supportive. Like we've been together since we were 16. So, I mean, she's seen me do, you know, everything over the last 12 years. So I, you know, 
I, I couldn't, I couldn't do without her support. But at the same time, like my, my managers that I had, like my district manager, it was like an old school, like New York hardcore dude. He has like a New York hardcore tattoo on his neck and everything. Like, Ooh, like got and he was like, yeah. And he was a guy I've known for forever. Like he, mm-hmm. he was the store manager of that store when he hired me as an associate. And then he left like shortly after, and then oh, he became my district manager. And then, um, I, I was the assistant manager of that store and I had the same store manager there for like six and a half of the seven years I worked there. So, you know, she saw like me touring and she saw me, you know, working on design work and working on, you know, just everything I was doing. So I, I definitely had the right, uh, right mix of support around me being, you know, my work, like really didn't care if I had to go out back and take a phone call or, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, they weren't happy when I brought my laptop to work sometimes, but I mean, there was, we we had a pretty dead ball, you know, I, I did what I had to do and, yeah. you know, and like my wife, you know, I'd get home from work, I'd work, you know, a two to 10 shift and I'd work until one thirty in the morning and get up the next day and work before I had to go in and. I mean, there was, there were definitely days where I'd, I'd wake up at like six, I would design from like seven till one thirty, go to work two to 10 and then come home and work till like two in the morning. Like that was, Oof. that was pretty often for me, but it was, Oof. it was weird. Like it, it's, it, it, I, I don't even know how to describe it without like sounding like an asshole, like patting myself on the back, but it was, no. it was just, it was something I just wanted to do. And like, I was, I was just talking to my friends about it last night. Like, cause they, they all have like normal nine to five jobs. Like one was like a teacher and like one of them works in like a factory and shit like that. And like, I have a very different job than all of them. And, yeah. you know, it's just, I, I'm so determined to not have to work for like a corporation or, yeah. you know, to, yeah. to have, to have some sort of boss like that. Like I just, I'll do anything to, mm-hmm. you know, keep myself afloat. I think that's something that's worth patting yourself on the back on. I mean, that's like. No, a lot of people don't have that level of grit. That's sick. <laughs> like, yeah. that's I mean, I've definitely, I've caught some breaks and I mean, like it's, I've definitely caught some breaks and had some times where like, you know, my money's been low, but you know, luckily like my wife is super supportive. She works in the mm-hmm. bank, you know, she has a, a very normal job to keep my, my uh, insane life stable. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a weird life to live. Definitely. It's, it's very up and down. And, you know, honestly right now with having, you know, being, you know, doing, uh, having unemployment with everything going off is the most stable like pay I've had in like years, even with mm-hmm. like an hourly, you know, hot topic position. But at the same time, like when I was working there, I was touring. So my money was never able to sit. So I'm, <laughs> it's, it's yeah. weird right now just being able to sit and like breathe and do a couple fun projects. But you know, the grind will start back up here soon enough. But right now it's been a, it's been a nice little break, even though the world's completely falling apart. Yeah, for, <laughs> for real. Man. And you should take that pat on the back because we don't hand them out very, uh, <laughs> very often here. So you should just take that pat on the back and, and kind of go with it. Uh, speaking of like corporations and, and things like that, um, since I know you don't work with them much anymore, but but what can you say about the way Barstool's kind of grown? I mean, um, for, from what I hear, uh, I, I, I don't know if I have this number right or not, but didn't this dude just sell shit for like a hundred million dollars or something like that yeah that I heard. dude i mean like, it is it's fucking insane like like i said like when i started with them like it was only really like a like a frat college bro thing like my friend who went to he went to Cortland, he was in a frat and like he showed me barstool and i was like oh this is kind of funny like these are just like your typical dudes like talking about sports and talking about you know everything and i got super into it and uh and then, you know, I started doing designs for them and it was before, before they, you know, got really big. So I was always like, oh yeah, I designed for Barstool Sports. Like, it's kind of like this, like sports blog, but they're kind of funny and they do like lifestyle stuff and, you know, they do this and that. And, you know, now when you say it, everyone's like, oh yeah, the pizza guy or like, oh yeah, the Saturday <laughs> for the boys stuff. Like, yeah. but it was before all that, like I, I did a lot of the first like Saturdays for the boys shirts. So like, it was, it was yeah. cool, like to see how big that's gotten. But like, it was, it was definitely weird at first, but like to see how big they are now, like I had probably like a like a year and a half gap between when I, when I turned down that first full-time position and like came back with them, like to see how much they grew then. And then like they got bought by churning, which was crazy. 
Um, and then this new thing when they got bought by like Penn National, like it's just insane to see how much they've grown and like all their all their podcasts are like doing great, all their merchandise is great, like fucking like Dave's doing his pizza shit and is like his mm-hmm. unboxing and now he's like a day trader. And like they're it's it's all like it's all crazy because like uh, some of the guys I've talked to like personally and they're just like they're just normal people. Like it's yeah. even even though Dave's like he, he's like a crazy guy, like that's just him. He's just yeah. a crazy dude. Like he's not some like crazy celebrity. And then, you know, like a lot of the other like lower tier guys. Like I worked a lot with like the the guys that run like the Yankees content, and like all those guys are just like normal people. Like the, it's just yeah. the craziest thing. Like you would think working for Barstool, they'd have like big heads and shit like that, or you know, they're just your normal normal you know sports fans. Just chilling yeah, for real. Yeah. Um, there's something that kind of struck me. Uh, I read a couple of weeks ago that that Dave actually won. Um, he actually bid to like. Watch Monday Night Football. Oh, the Goodell thing, Goodell. yeah. Yeah, and then yeah, Goodell they, backed yeah. out. I was like, what a push. Yeah, they were like, <laughs> what a push. Yeah, it was like, I was just listening to something today about that. They were talking about it. It was like, it was like they had to do a police report. It's like, if you go onto Google and you type Dave Portnoy NFL, you'll see that he got fucking arrested at the headquarters, pulled out of the Super Bowl. Like, there's there, there's no way they didn't recognize his name. They were like, oh, yep. fuck. I would love to see that. Like, and now I guess Marlins man was the second highest bidder. So now, now he is. So it's it's complete opposite of watching press with him, man. It's just gonna be, it'll be, it won't even be fun. It's 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 boring at that point. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I mean, Joey, before you get out of here, there's there's a lot more we have to talk about in sure. another world <laughs> that that we talk about here a lot on the Heel Turn Collective podcast, and that is, of course, sports. Um, we we mentioned a little bit. Uh, I mean, obviously, you working with Barstool, you know, doing a a lot of stuff with them. Uh, but also, as I mentioned at kind of the top of the show, you are a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan. Which oh yes, Tampa Bay <laughs> fans everywhere must be fucking rejoicing right now, yeah. seeing that offense being built. Um, I I just can't I can't fathom it. I didn't mean to cut you off, but I am just no. I am just so I I can't I can't believe it's real. Like it's just the craziest <laughs> thing in 2020. Like I was talking like you know watching Jameis the last like five years and like I see like his offensive potential and then like he just he can't read he can't read defenses he can't even fucking see he just got his eyes fixed. <laughs> like, like how have you been in the NFL for this long? Didn't Absolutely. You know, I think I remember reading something that his like vision was like heinously bad. Yeah, it was terrible. It's like no shit you were throwing the ball to linebackers. You couldn't fucking exactly. see you. I think it was well, like, I mean, it's like, was it like 2060 or something where it's like Yeah, it was, it was awful. Dude, that, that's <laughs> crazy. And then like when you know when when uh when the Patriots went out, you know, I was like and I was like I'm a Yankees fan, so like I hate everything from Boston. So like I mean if you if you you know search my Twitter name and search Brady, I mean I've said some awful things about Tom Brady and probably the most of his family. And you know, Gronk I've always been a fan of, but like Brady, like obviously I'm always like, Fuck that guy, you know, fuck him like you know for twenty years. And then like he was becoming a free agent and I was I was like joking with some of my friends because a lot of my friends are diehard football fans, like two of them are diehard Eagles fans, and the other one's a diehard Pats fan. I was like, yo, I was like, Tom Brady's coming to Tampa, watch this. And I never thought it was going to actually, like, materialize. And then, like, they weren't signing Jameis back, and they weren't signing Jameis back. And I was like, okay, we're going to go get, like, Philip Rivers or Teddy Bridgewater. I'm like, yeah. you know, whatever. It'll be fine. It's better than better than Jameis. And then I remember exactly – I was the first day of free agency. I remember it was a Tuesday. And I saw it was like, Tom Brady agrees with Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And I like, I like, I double checked everything, and there was like a, it like, I saw the first tweet my friend had sent me, and I didn't see anything online. I was like, okay, like it must be like a burner account or something. It's not real. 
And then, like, I got all the notifications. A couple people texted me. I'm like, this is fucking nuts. I'm like, I can't believe, like, Tom Brady's going to be here. And, like, I bought his jersey. not going to lie. I'm still waiting for it to come in. I, like, I got the nice stitched one and everything. I was like, I, I need – I got to do it. And then, you know, Gronk coming in, too. Like, Gronk's always been hilarious. Like, obviously, he does a lot with, like, Barstool. So, I've always, like, followed him. And Gronk's just a funny guy. He's just funny. Last mm-hmm. number 69 is fucking hilarious. <laughs> he's just he's, – he's always funny. Yeah, yeah. The thing about it is, like um... – you know, and, and you just you hit it right on the head there. You know, everyone that's not kind of in the Boston area is like, fuck Tom Brady. Like, yeah. fuck this guy. You know, not realizing, you know, but he comes to your team and goddamn, you know what? It's okay. Tom Brady's yeah. an all right guy. Well, well, like, so, like, so many people are busting my balls about it. Like, like when the when the Eagles beat the Patriots two years ago in the Super Bowl, like two of my best friends are diehard Eagles fans. And one of them cried. Like, I was like, they were rolling around the ground, hugging each other. I was pouring beer on them. It was fucking awesome. Like, <laughs> we had a great time. And I was just so happy for them that they beat Tom Brady. And, like, I was like, I mean, my Twitter that night was all like, fuck you, Tom Brady, you fucking bum, even though he had a great game and everything. Like, I was, <laughs> I was going off about him, like, him, like, making out with the sun and everything. And we were, <laughs> we were, like, I was, it was, I was always just talking shit about him. And then, like, he came here and I'm like, you know, he's on my team now. Like, it was, it was the same yeah. thing, like, like, when Mookie Betts left Red Sox. I was like, if he signs with the Yankees next offseason, I'll fucking love Mookie Betts. I mean, Roger Clemens came to the Yankees, you know, he was a, he was yeah. a, Red, he was a Red Sox legend. And Johnny Damon, you know, even Jacoby Osbury, like, when they, all, when they all come to Boston, they come to it, you know, my teams, it's fine with me. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's going to be, it's, it's going to be A OK. Yeah. I, it's, but, it, it was so crazy. Like, you said about, like, kind of getting caught off guard about it, where it's like, because what like the, the talk was like what it was only Tennessee and I think was Oakland. it the Char- Oakland, Oakland Chargers yeah, yeah. and like, he wanted to LA like he had like the movie stuff out there they were like yeah he's gonna do the LeBron thing with Los Angeles and then I was like yeah it just didn't it didn't happen like I was yeah. you saw that the that the Chargers signed Tyrod Taylor I think or they already had him mm-hmm. but then yeah, they already had him. Herbert and looking at two on everything and you know that the Titans like they they signed they signed Tannehill to that extension didn't they. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think they signed yeah, him to a, a big old boy. Yeah, yeah, they at least you know, yeah. you know, invested in him, and then I don't even know what the Raiders are doing. <laughs> Raiders, yeah, I think they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, I know on. what the Raiders are doing. Um, hold on, Shane, let me field this one. Let me field this one, buddy. Uh, our resident co-host Shane Riley is a big time. Oakland Raiders fan. Oh, I thought you were a Broncos fan for some reason. Oh, okay. no, 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 no. He's a big Oakland Raiders fan for this reason only. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever at this fucking point. Shane is a big fan because they have one Marcus Gary Mariota. Mary I wanted, wanted Mariota over Jameis at first. Mariota, first of all. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Dude, you know where um, Mariota's going to end up as like the third string on the Ravens next year after the we are we are big time Mariota haters on this show. You mentioned uh you mentioned Teddy Bridgewater who plays for Carolina now. Um I'm a Falcons fan. Look, I've lived I've lived and died with this fucking Matt Ryan for so goddamn long. <laughs> and I gotta tell you, in this fucking division, just quarterbacks, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Matt Ryan, Teddy Bridgewater which one of these don't belong with the yeah. others? I do believe it is Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah. Although um, I'm I'm completely biased, 100% biased. I think Julio Jones is the best receiver in football. Yeah, I do. I agree. I'm I agree. completely biased because I see him all the time, and I just look. I bought a Stitch jersey for the first time myself, and it was a it was a Julio Jones jersey because I think he's the the best receiver in the NFL. Yeah. Now. 
With that being said, the Tom Brady signing scares the fuck out of me because <laughs> this team has habitually went nine and seven, kind of scooted along into that wild card spot. Yep. Now I think even with that seventh team in the playoffs, now I think that I don't think there's three teams out of that division is going to be tough yeah. because that division is fucking loaded. I, I mean, mean we, just yeah. I loaded. mean, we went seven and nine last year, and Jameis had thirty eight turnovers. <laughs> thirty eight turnovers. That is almost fucking full teams don't go. They go the entire season having thirty eight turnovers. I, like, I don't know if any of the three of us would have thirty eight turnovers. If I'm it's being honest, it's fucking nuts, man. Like, <laughs> like, like, I could throw thirty eight fucking. You know, I could throw thirty interceptions in a year. Yeah. So it'll pad me up, man. I'll <laughs> That's what I mean. Yeah, like, dude, like, there's no like. There's no, like. I obviously I'm very confident. I don't think we're gonna. Go fucking thirteen and three, but I think we're probably going to go eleven and five. I wouldn't be surprised at ten and six. Our defense is better. Our yeah. receiving core is great. Gronk, whether like I don't know how good Gronk is going to be, but he's at least going to gain like, garner some attention. Yep. Well, yeah. it's I I would take twenty five percent Gronk over a lot of other tight ends in the league. Yeah, I Very would take true. you know well, you know what I mean like because you guys have Godwin. Um, you have Evans. Yep. Like you we can't have Cameron Bray and OJ Howard. And OJ Howard, even though he's been kind of a bust so far, mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. I think just I trust like Tom Brady with tight ends. Like yep. I just feel like he is just going to fucking slaughter with like three yeah. tight end sets. Well, all of a sudden, you can't really double anyone on that like yeah. any skill possession player on that team. Yeah. I mean, if you throw well, a two tight end set with fucking Bray and Gronk on the line, or even throw Gronk out like in a slot and put OJ Howard yep. in the line, and then you have like Evans and Godwin wide, like what are you going to do? Like who do you who do you decide to cover there? Even if you take one of them away, and like our running game got better at the end of last year, mm-hmm. I think we're I don't think we're done adding a running back either. I think we're going to end up pulling someone who's you know going to be valuable. We drafted a kid out of Arizona, I think, mm-hmm. maybe it was Minnesota. We but we we drafted a running back that I like a lot. I can't recall his name right now, but you know it's 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 going to be interesting because Bruce Arians, you know he's he's an offensive wizard, um, and I I think he's going to get the most out of these two years we have we have with Brady and. I mean, if he doesn't, you know, at the same time, like I'm, I'm sort of like like a Mets fan that is with baseball. Like, I don't expect much out of the Buccaneers, so everything that happens is a pleasant surprise. You know, they won yeah. that Super Bowl when I was 11, and you know, it was it was great. You know, I barely remember it, and it's, it's just been downhill yeah. ever since. Well, I gotta, I gotta say, it's refreshing. I gotta say, it's refreshing that you're actually going into the season with realistic expectations. <laughs> you need to talk to all these fucking Browns fans. Oh, Let dude. me tell you what. All right, I, I live in Cleveland, okay? Oh, okay? I live in the fucking area, all right? <laughs> so for me, listening to all these fucking idiots say, man, the Browns are going to go 12-4 and four this year. I'm like, yo, dipshit. Do you not realize... Do you not realize this team won zero fucking games three years ago? <laughs> zero games. Yeah. And guess how many games they improved the next year? Guess how many games they won the next year? One. They <laughs> yeah. won one fucking game, and that was on a fluky field goal against San Diego. I remember it like it was yesterday because my dad's like, my dad's a Chargers fan. He's like, Jesus Christ, this team can't even beat the Browns who had zero fucking wins. Yeah, dude, the, the Browns bandwagon is crazy. Like, I like a lot of the pieces that are on the Browns. You know, like, even when, like, when, when uh, Beckham was, like, talking about wanting to be traded, I was like, I'll take him in Tampa. Like, that'd be, that'd be, that'd be cool. He's but, like, no, no, no. But, like, I mean, the Browns have a lot of, like, good players. And, yeah. like, I think I think Baker's a pretty good quarterback. I just – they're, like, one of those teams that, like, I just don't think they're ever going to be able to, like, put it together. Yep. I, yeah, I mean, look, I am I agree with you. I think Baker is manageable. I think that he is – I think he's a good – I think 
the 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 Brett Favre comparisons early on kind of hurt him almost. Yeah, I feel like that was almost like, wow, you're setting this guy up to be great right from the get go. And I I think that so far has he lived up to the number one pick? No, but he's only in his third season. Yeah, you got to give it kind of time. And he mm-hmm. is on the fucking Browns. And he's also like, had a lot of head coach. I mean, he had Hugh Jackson as a head coach. Like that yeah, guy yeah. is arguably the worst coach in, in NFL history. Yeah, I mean, and, and he was well. He was the one that I remember on. Uh, I was watching that. What was it? Hard Knocks. And yeah, he was like, uh, "Oh, Baker, you're going to be the second string." Oh, fuck you, yeah. man! Like, you know, fuck like, you. I mean, I think, like, I think he hurt Baker's psyche for a little while, and yeah. you know, I don't know. I think I think the. I don't know the AFC North is weird. I mean, the Steelers are a big question mark with with Ben coming back. You know, the Ravens are you know obviously a good team. You know, I mean, I I don't know. I mean, I think it, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, it'll be interesting yeah. to see what happens. But I, I mean, I wouldn't rule out them getting lucky and winning a couple of games and you know mm-hmm. finishing eight and eight, nine and seven. You know, challenging the playoff picture. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's a realistic. Uh, I think that's a realistic goal for for any Browns yeah. fans like. Honestly, like I remember when they made the playoffs. Uh, what was it? They made the playoffs in like 2002 with Kelly Holcomb. Yeah, I remember that. And uh, that, I was Kelly just, Holcomb. Um... Yeah, it's Kelly Holcomb. Okay, <laughs> and I remember. I mean, they got beat by the Steelers in the wild card round, but because um, I remember it was one of those weird things where they played each other week 17, and then they played each other in the wild card round. Oh yeah, like, yeah. That's goofy. That's always weird when um, shit happens. Yeah, it's like Jackson's Colts every year on the fucking AFC wild card weekend. Exactly. What every every Saturday, pencil them in. <laughs> it's fucking it's either no it's it's the texans versus the colts or any combination of yeah. colts and texans are always on that fucking the afc south is always fucking involved in that because they're no, they're, because they're the never going to be a bye week fuck <laughs> no the afc south is butt cheeks yeah that, that division is, happens not being there anymore come on man uh, honestly whoever wins that division wins it by default yeah because there has to be a winner for so real. one of your teams, because Bill O'Brien can't get the fuck out of his own way. So okay, this gosh. dude. I mean, this dude's got a heinous butt chin, by the way. Yeah, heinous butt chin. <laughs> uh, but he trades away DeAndre Hopkins. I don't know what Deshaun Watson is. I want to like Deshaun Watson a lot. I do. Yep. I, want I think to. I like him. I think I like Deshaun Watson. I do, but like, do I like him as much as other people do? Not right now. I don't. I like, think I, like, I, have, I have a very hot take that I think I true I think Deshaun Jackson's a better quarterback than Lamar Jackson. I think Lamar Jackson Sean got. Wilson. I think I think Lamar Jackson got exposed in the playoffs as against the Titans. Like he cannot take over a game in in the way like he he did a lot in the regular season. But I mean, in I just I think Deshaun's better than Lamar Jackson. But I don't think he I don't think Bill O'Brien's the right coach for him. And yeah, I mean, he yeah. keeps taking away. You may be right. Yeah, you may be right. But I agree uh, with that completely. Yeah, so I mean, it'll be interesting to kind of see how the Texans kind of go um, from here. Um, it, they're definitely one of those teams that people normally pencil in for at least the divisional round, the, you know, yeah. maybe even the championship round. Um, I don't know if I'm, I'm there yet with them. But I'm also like that with KC, though. I, I'm, I'm kind of in the minority. I don't think that – I'm not buying all the Patrick Mahomes is selling just yet. Um, oh, dude, I, no, think, dude, I love Patrick Mahomes. I do too. Like, I think he's a fantastic quarterback. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But these people saying that, like, he's going to win three, four fucking rings. Look, Aaron Rodgers only has one ring, and I would consider yeah. him probably one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And he yep. only has one fucking ring, man. Yeah. So it's not as easy as people make it sound. I it's think the longevity that, that Mahomes will need. I mean, I think he could get hot right now in this, like, 
I mean, obviously, you know, I would love to see the Bucks win a Super Bowl, but I mean, this post Brady era that's going to be coming up, you know, like who else is going to step up and be, you know, who's going to be his kryptonite? You know, it's, it's the same reason Peyton yeah. didn't win a lot of Super Bowls. You know, even though there Absolutely. was that big gap without Brady's Super Bowls, but like, I mean, there's there's going to be this gap coming up here in the next five years where, you know, Mahomes is going to be, you know, clear cut best quarterback in the league, and there's not really another, you know, powerhouse that's coming up. Well, me and Shane always, me and Shane actually talked a, a couple of weeks ago. We uh, we talked about um, what what kind of bargaining chip does Mahomes have? My second year, I won the MVP, went yep. to the AFC Championship. Probably should have went to the Super Bowl. <laughs> My third year, I won the fucking Super Bowl. Like, dude, they're gonna pay him a boatload of money. Well, I, I we think they're gonna of... pay him a lot, but I also wonder if so. Say they repeat this year, like say they win again, does he take? I don't want to say like a, a like a sweetheart deal. Not I would say almost like a Brady deal in New England, where he yeah. understands that he's worth so much fucking money. But if he wants to keep winning, is he going to take less money to keep building to around build him? Build around him. They're going to because Tyreek is Tyreek Hill. He, he doesn't have his extension yet, does he? No, no. I don't think so. I think they got, yeah, they got a him, lot of people to pay. I think him, Kelsey, um, and I think one of their other offensive players are still on either entry deals or rookie deals at the moment. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's going to get to the point where you have to pay all of them. And like, I think Mahomes, I hope he's smart enough to be like, you know, I have to take a pay cut to do this. But also then again, like, I'm not going to blame him if he goes out and takes a fucking like $45 million a year contract. Yeah. Well, Well, I mean, cause like, I always tell Shane, I always tell, I didn't mean to cut you off there, Shane. Uh, I always tell, I always talk to Shane about, uh, look, I mean, I think Mahomes is a fantastic quarterback. Don't get me Mm -hmm. wrong. But I could hit receivers that are ten yards fucking open. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, so he's just got dynamic weapons. And I guess my biggest question is: is it more of his quarterback play or more of the scheme that Andy Reid has kind of built for him? Yeah, I I wonder if he can adjust. Yeah, that's that's something too. They they're a team that could, you know, they're a team that could change the way defenses play. Because more teams are going to be like, oh, okay, you know, the Chiefs keep winning, the Chiefs keep doing this with all these fast players. So, I mean, it's not to knock the Raiders again, but the Raiders always draft the fastest guy in the room, you know. So, what are they going to, are, you know, are defenses going to start doing that? Are they going to start drafting just like fast defensive players to try to keep up with the Chiefs and, you know, other teams to try to copycat their offense? Like, that's something I I can definitely see. It's definitely a copycat league. So, it'll be interesting to kind of see how that goes. I'm curious what like what your thoughts are on this as well, Joey. Like we we were talking about this last some of like the uh, potential like value and what what this next paycheck could look like for Mahomes. And Lance and I were kind of talking where Lance wasn't as high as I was, but I could see like especially if it's an, another MVP repeat year or like uh, Super Bowl championship repeat, which I know would be insane for for all that to be back to back. But I could see him in the 250 million mark. As far as value, I mean, it depends on how long they give him. I think, I think they won't give him anything longer than six years. Yeah. So if they give him six and like two forty, that wouldn't shock me. Yeah. Um, I think they, I think they'll probably settle around like five and two hundred with like a sixth year like team option. Mm. Um, because I mean, six years for a quarterback's a long time. You know, I mean, you 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 don't know what you're going to get. Very few quarterbacks last that. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hey, look, he'd be sitting with forty large a year. Yeah. I think that's I think that's more than enough to. uh, Well, I I wonder. I don't know if NFL contracts do like how major league baseball contracts so they can like defer money out. Like I, I think I, I wonder if like the way that these contracts keep going, like Dak wanting thirty five million, like I wonder if they're going to start deferring more contracts, you know, because they're they're going to need to get to that point where, 
you know, you can't you can't pay. You know, Satan Holmes gets another contract. He gets his contract, and then he keeps playing well. His next contract he'll be worth, you know, by NFL inflation, by like fifty million dollars a year. Yeah, like you can't pay that. Well, and the, the NFL salary cap's not growing at that rate. Yeah, well, I was saying, like a thing that we kind of talked about, which it would it would fall under a uh, collective collective bargaining thing. Yeah, is do they eventually get to a point where there's a a separate quarterback salary cap? Yeah, I mean it could be because I mean you're gonna see you'll see these teams that just pay a quarterback out the ass and see what happens. You know, yep. it's, exactly. I mean, and I mean, also look, the NFL is not, not as much guaranteed money. Mm-hmm. So I think they get around that, but I don't yeah. know. I mean, you look at even in Dallas yesterday, Dak Prescott signing that, that tender $35 million for a one year. fucking year. A year. Like, it's just like for that one fucking year, like, and Dak Prescott has by all intents and purposes been a solid starter, but he's not somebody that's going to, win you the big game. No. He's not somebody that's going to mm-hmm. pull it pull it together, you know? No, he's, and, like, and, he's like Philip Rivers Light. Like he's yeah, exactly. <laughs> He'll get you to the dance, but he just yeah. won't, you know, he just doesn't got the moves. You he's know? a very, but, very good game manager. Yeah, mm. absolutely. And look, I'm on the Prescott bandwagon. I like Prescott a lot. I do. Nope. I think that he doesn't make this the costly mistakes a lot of guys do. Do I think he's worth thirty four million? No, but I also don't think Kirk Cousins is worth eighty three million. <laughs> I just don't think it's there, you know, like yeah. look, Kirk Cousins in that divisional game. Uh, I actually, he actually gave me goosebumps when he hit that fucking pass to Adam Thielen against the saints. I mean, just dropped it right in the fucking bucket. You couldn't have thrown. I mean, he couldn't have walked up and handed him a pass any prettier than that. Yep. And I love quarterback play like that, but I'm sorry. I'm not paying you 83 million to make one pass. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> Yeah. Like, you one pass. Like, come oh, on, man. Wait a second here, Lance. You've... What? You know what I'm about to bring up. Who, Matt Ryan? No. Got to a fucking no, Ben Roethlisberger. Every time I, I sit on my bandwagon about... Or my, my soapbox about Roethlisberger, you bring up that freaking pass in the Super Bowl from a billion years ago. But that's not his only good pass, by the way. And, Joey, can can you chime in on this? Is that oh, I would love... I have... Pass? Is that Roethlisberger pass in the Super Bowl the greatest pass of all time? I mean, it's a great pass. It's a great pass. Don't get me wrong. Um, I mean, I think Ben's Ben's a very good quarterback. I mean, he has multiple Super Bowls, which a lot of people look forward to, you know, when they go to, like, Hall of Fame voting and stuff like that. But, I mean, his his first Super Bowl, he was, like, 9 of 22 for, like, 74 yards and a pick. Thank it was like you. His defense Thank won you. that first Super Bowl. I mean, it was the same thing with the, with the Buccaneers Super Bowl. We scored 48 points, but we picked off Rich Gannon five fucking times. Like, Brad Johnson <laughs> was not going up and down the field for us. Like, hey, look, you, had to, you hey, had to a lot. Don't be talking bad about my boy Brad Johnson. Listen, man, I, fucking I owe that man, I owe that man a, lot of, a lot of happiness when I was that age. That was, that was right after the Yankees' three-peat dynasty. Like, I was fucking – I was living high, man. I was like the happy girl. I was like, yeah, it's like my fucking Yankees are great, my Bucks are great, everything's awesome. Life's awesome. <laughs> it's all downhill. God damn it, life is so fucking awesome. <laughs> you know, but uh, you know, see, some of us that live in reality and are rooted in reality oh have to live with the fact that our team was up twenty-eight to three at halftime in the Super Bowl. Let me tell you, and that then, is that's another famous time of me talking shit to Tom Brady. <laughs> and then oh, my 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 Twitter receipts and I are not good. There's there's also some Facebook ones. Where I was talking shit to some of my I friends. Still, like I was going, I was like twenty three. I'm like, this is fucking done. And like, it yeah. was. I I can't believe it. I remember me too. like look. Ugh. I remember watching that game with like with a bunch of people who don't watch football because I think that was the first Super Bowl I watched when we were out here in Colorado when when Chris and I first moved, and the entire house was like, oh, this game's over. And I was like, no, it is not. 
Like no, that's what I'm saying. Like, we were watching like, with my friends and my wife and stuff like that. And we were saying the same thing. And I was like, it's 28 to three. I was like, this still just doesn't feel over. Yeah. Nope. Trust yep. me. I know. Like I, we got to halftime there and I was like, okay, so they got the game in hand. Uh, Kyle Shanahan can fucking just, <laughs> he can pound bricks for the rest of my fucking life because all you had to do was run the ball. Devontae Freeman was gashing that defense. Yep. Yeah. He was gashing it the entire first half. Just keep running the fucking ball. You don't yeah. have to drop back the it's- pass and have Matt Ryan get a strip sack. Well, that was when I was watching that game, and I'm just like, uh, like I saw, I was like, okay, 28 to 10, okay, 28 to 17, okay, like, and they were coming back, and I, I was just watching this, and it's like when they got down into overtime and they got the ball, I was like, that, that was my like, okay. Like, I turned the game I, off. Like, I was like, like, it's over. Yeah, like, that's, gonna drive right down the field. Yeah, I sat I there like it. I was sat there saying for so long. I was like, you know, I was I was against Tom Brady being the goat and everything, and I was like, fuck. I'm like, he is the fucking goat. It, <laughs> I literally did the same thing where I was like, where I was like, this is it. This is the the like, this is the NFL films in a hundred years. They'll be playing this game like yeah. you know like on loop. That's the thing. As a yep. Bucks fan too, I was like, I'd never root for the Falcons, but I was there. I was fucking like, I was, I was there from Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Devontae no, Freeman, everyone. I was like, let's fucking go, boys. Let's, let's take them out. And I was, I was living the high life, and it is, I just oh, that, that, just watching that second half was just the craziest half of a sports yeah. game. I've ever I'm seen. still, I'm still uh, writing receipts Lance, that my ass can. <laughs> Lance, how much does it hurt? Um, you said about like uh, Shanahan just having to run the football. How does it? How bad does it hurt? That the Niners ran like ran the ball or what ran the ball like a billion times in that NFC game. Well, I think karma. I think karma came full circle last year because San Francisco looked like they were going to beat the Chiefs in the second half. They imploded, and I was like, <laughs> "Fuck you, Shanahan!" <laughs> yeah, the Chiefs were the comeback team of the playoffs, man. They were down That's in all three of their games, and yep. well, I mean, look, they they are. <laughs> in that Houston game, weren't they down like twenty four nothing? They're in the first quarter. They look terrible. I remember yeah. I wanted to I, I what was I do? I was doing something where I like I checked the score of the game on my phone and then like I put my phone away for like twenty minutes. And I got my phone back out. I was like, what the fuck? It's twenty one to nothing? <laughs> and I was like, holy shit. And then I think yeah, I went I think I went into a movie. I watched a movie and I came out, I was like, The Chiefs are winning? I'm like, what the fuck <laughs> is going on? What the fuck is going on? But uh but yeah, I mean, like, there's a lot of excitement going in the NFL season, obviously this year. The question is, is there even gonna be a season? We hope so. You know, fingers crossed and things like that. But yeah, between uh, between that and baseball, like baseball apparently just approved their deal. Shane and I have been talking about well, that. They just approved a sixty game season if the players report by July first and agree on health and safety protocols, according to Ken Rosenthal. So, they have so a week. yeah, we, uh, yeah. So we uh, we actually had a, a very lengthy discussion last week um, about um. Baseball last. Me and Shane are not baseball fans, so you can take baseball and enjoy it. <laughs> baseball. That's that's my that's my number one sport. So I've been. I mean, I've been watching this. I had tickets to like five games this year. You know, I was going to go see Garrett Cole pitch Destroy. for the Yankees in Tampa. Like my wife and I go to Disney twice a year. We were going to go to Disney the next day, and then you know we were going to do everything. And you know, this the whole just virus just ruined everything. Like friend and I were going to go down and see a Mets and Yankees like day night game. You know, and it was he's he's a diehard Mets fan, so I was gonna go to City Field, and you know we're it's it's just crazy. I mean, this is the longest streak ever without the major sports. Yeah, yeah I mean, absolutely. On the bright side, you might get the best seats in town if you hit some batting batting cages. Maybe be a replacement player or something. Yeah, yeah, I might. <laughs> I don't know, man. I haven't played baseball since I was like 15, and even then, yeah. I mean, I don't think the shape I'm in post quarantine is gonna cut it for major league baseball. Man, I, I gotta Dude. tell you, I played I played a little little league myself, and I was I was quite stud. I played a. 
I played slow, like beer league slow pitch softball. Um, this is the first year I haven't done it, but I did it for two, like two seasons before that. Um, fielding pop-ups is the most impossible thing on earth. It just feels like, I can't imagine. Like, I, I was going to play that this year, and I was like playing softball, like hitting an underhand pitch. Like it sounds a lot easier, and then like fielding stuff, like it's just stuff I haven't done in years. Yep, it was like yeah. it, it would happen, especially with it being like a, a giant, like neon yellow softball. As you like run under, and you're like, oh, I got this, and then it lands yeah. like thirty feet behind you, and you're just like, how did this <laughs> even happen? I like <laughs> well, carries different than a baseball and everything. Like it's it's stuff that I would you know I had ingrained in me, and yep. you know, I, I don't I don't know, man. Yeah. It's it, that's uh, pretty wild, but look, I mean, I'm not getting into baseball talk for a third fucking episode, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that, that's going to kind of conclude our conversation today, uh, Joey. Uh, mm. Before we get out of here, though, why don't you uh, tell us about what you got going on? Uh, kind of plug everything, and then and then we'll get you on out of here. Yeah, so I mean, uh, the last last month, I've been really involved in our our local protests and stuff we're mm. having here. Um, I started doing a lot of work for our 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 local organization that's taken over um all the protests and stuff around here uh it's called color color of reform and empowerment organization um so i've been working with some local people on that um you know at the same time my design page is uh point blank graphics so i have a i have a team of people i have my design partner and i that run that and we have a couple mm-hmm. other guys that work with us um and then uh you know dynamic talent international you know it's our it's our our agency we're taking off and you know, doing a lot of different things branching into some different genres uh we're not just a metal agency anymore <laughs> so uh, yeah. we're we're working on a lot of fun things and you know just trying to survive survive this quarantine and survive the entertainment shutdown and i mean overall our plan's been good and we're just going to keep rolling on it and hope for the best in the future yeah absolutely so uh yeah but joey uh shane do you have any parting thoughts before we let joey go nope um it's great <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks, for thanks for having me guys this was a lot yeah. of fun yeah absolutely so that was uh Joey Lanzalotto. Um, if you make sure you check out some of the stuff he's involved in, um, it, it's really it's an important time that we're living in, and it's important for all of us to kind of be involved in that. So we really appreciate Joey coming on. Uh, we know he's got a big busy schedule and everything like that. And uh, but yeah, so thanks thanks a lot, Joey, for that. And uh, which brings us to the end of the show, Shane. And you know what that means, right? It's that heel of the week, baby. Let's go. Come on, it's that heel of the week. Mm. I mean, and after this enlightening conversation with one Lance Lotto, you know, how can you kind of turn a, a cool conversation into something that uh, is just a little a little on the hefty side? Shane, I will let you do the honors. Who is the heel of the week this week? The heel of the week this week um, is Live Nation. Those um, stupid sons of bitches, let me tell you. <laughs> Um, doing, uh, the, like, so essentially as everyone, as Joey alluded to, and as a lot of people who would be listening to this, I'm is already aware of like the entertainment industry, like with music and live, like, perfor- like live performance and stuff has come to a screeching halt. Um, and amidst that, uh, where a lot of bands, uh, touring, um, like merch people, photographers, uh, road, uh, road crew sorts of people. Um, obviously losing a lot of money. Um, Live wow, Nation. You're really breaking, you're breaking ground there, Shane. I know, yeah, yeah. Uh, but Live Nation decided um, the, to ask bands to take a, I think it was a 20% uh, yeah, guarantee 20%. drop um, whenever okay. we do get back to, to live, uh, live shows and stuff, which is hysterical. 
Yeah, well, it's hysterical because these motherfuckers are the same oh, dudes. <laughs> yeah, come on, man. They're the same fucking dudes that think it's hilarious to sit back while some of us are buying concert tickets and have the audacity, the audacity to charge $21 for a fucking service charge. So you can mm. lick my taint, Lord <laughs> Nation. But uh, I, uh, I'm not a fan of this. Obviously, me and Shane... Uh, have kind of a music background and things mm. like that, and seeing stuff like this is just unfucking real to me. Yep. Because it, to me, this we talked about self awareness earlier with our conversation with Joey, and the fact that you have zero and you're in the position that you're in, well, you can kiss my ass. Well, I think this is less than zero. Yeah, come on, man. <laughs> you're going to charge people who don't make any money anyway because I mean, music just isn't what it used to be. You mm. know, people. You know, me and. Uh, you know, I, I've had a lot of conversations with people that just talk about how the music industry has changed and how bands get paid and things like that. And there's just not as much money as there used to be. Mm-hmm. Not everybody's going to be the biggest act. So yep. you got to make money where you can. And when dudes like Live Nation just swoop in, hey, man, I got this big tour. Live Nation's promoting it. Well, fuck. I got to take a 20% drop, man. That, that's that's really – that fucks with the bottom line a little bit, mm-hmm. don't you think? Yeah. Oh, big time. Yeah. You know? And Especially like, like when you get to certain levels, that's also, I mean, not everyone is like 18 year old kids that don't have any bills to pay. You know, we got exactly people are getting I got like a fucking family. You yep. know? Yeah. So, so it's, it's, just... it's really, uh, really, um, um, hurt. Like it's hurting a pre-existing wound at the moment. Absolutely. So, but yeah, live nation is our heel of the week. Mm. Um, so congratulations, live nation. You join the esteem. Yep. Uh, steam just party of, of heels of the week yeah and uh shano that brings us to the end of the show don't mm, it I do we do yeah before we get out of here though make sure you check out the heel turn collective uh we have three shows going every single week uh we have a show on sunday we have a show on tuesday obviously this one and we have a show on friday we talk about all kinds of various topics uh with different hosts i i i'm on all three shows but uh each of us brings something different to the table so make sure you check us out on facebook mm. uh, you can check me out at collective heel on twitter and shane at rain shiley r-a-n-e-s-h-i-l-e-y yep and uh make sure you just let us know a little bit of feedback about how you uh you know how you've been taking the shows and things like that make sure when you listen to us on spotify and itunes that you rate us um good or bad you know how are we going to get better if nobody rates us but uh we really want to thank joey lanzalato for coming on today yep. you know a mm-hmm. lot of great uh, just insight it was, it was really cool talking to him we got a lot of cool also, guests coming down the pike dare i oh. say the thing with joey I, i'm ready to run through a wall i'm realizing that i, I haven't been working saying. hard enough <laughs> yeah that's what i'm saying like it's just like he tells it well, he just makes us all look like fucking bums so thanks for that joey uh but we got a lot of cool guests uh coming down the pike make sure you just stick with us the whole mm-hmm. way we got the heel turn collective podcast obviously this show one with the undercard on fridays and word up or bird up on Sundays, but with that, Shano, yep. it's time to get out of here, buddy. I'm Lance, he's Shane, and uh, yeah, that's it. Let's skedaddle. Let's skedaddle. All right, thanks, guys. See you next week. <laughs>